We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, um, I'm kind of been sidetracked from what I was going to do. I had planned to do a show on planning for your financial future and how important planning was and how to go about it and why we do it and so on and so forth and make a lot of very powerful arguments that we should plan. Unfortunately, or fortunately, one of the two, uh, I got an email this morning at uh, 7.30 or something like that. It, it just blew me away because my mind was all wrapped around planning, right? And I get an email from a gentleman that wants me to help him figure out how to move forward in his finances and so forth. And it made me started thinking about what I was going to say to you today about how planning was so important. And um, it started me thinking back to an article I'd read once before uh, by a, a gentleman that believed he was in similar situation as this gentleman here. So I'm going to kind of cross-reference the concepts. Uh, but I'm going to go through the Zima, and I'm not going to give you his name. I'm trying to keep out as much information as possible, anything would identify the person individually, because I did not ask, nor has he given permission for me to go over this email. It's a pretty personal email. Um, so I'm going to knock out a few things to that would allow you, if you might know this person, to uh, specifically identify him. Not because this email isn't true, but because it is true, and it's so powerful uh, and so painful. I'm going to go ahead and read the email to you, but I want you to understand that as I read the email, we're going to come back and we're going to take it apart, paragraph by paragraph, piece by piece, and talk about what I get out of those paragraphs as both a consultant and as a human being, right? So I'm going to go ahead and read this. It says, good morning, Dell. I enjoy your show every morning on AM something. I'm going to say what station because that gives it away in blank Georgia. I'm not going to say what city it's in. Here's my story. I'm 58 years old, Army veteran, and I served as a pastor of a small, and I served as a pastor of a small inner city church. I'm married and have seven daughters with one left to get out of the house and six grandkids. My credit score is set around 540. I don't take salary from the church. And if I did, both I and the church would go bankrupt because offerings are minimal, under $200 a week. Most support comes from me or the outside supporters. To provide for my family, I perform weddings. To date, I have performed nearly 1,300 weddings in the past six years, and I truly love what I do. Best job ever, if you can call it that. It keeps my bills paid, but I'm, re I'm really not getting enough to save anything to do some investing. Okay, so I'm going to write, you can highlight that sentence. I'm really not getting enough to save anything 
to do some investing, okay? I don't have any savings either. My truck and car are both paid for in full. My home is on a lease option, and the lease ends in June, so I need to get a loan, hopefully, by that time, and purchase the home. I just checked Redfin. Dot com. Not sure how accurate that is, and they show the house valued at 127,000. I will need 77,000 to pay the house off. That leaves some good equity. Hopefully, the VA home loan will help. With all that said, I have two concerns. First, I want to leave something for my six grandkids when God calls me home. Second concern is that I want to create a good income, not to retire, but also that I can focus solely on the ministry. That's my story. And that's my idea and my desires. What do you suggest? I look forward to your response. God bless you for all you do. Here's the deal. Like I said, I was planning on giving a, a show on planning today. And then this email just blew me away because what it made me realize is that we all have a plan already. You know, there's an old saying, if you don't plan to succeed, then you plan to fail. And... That's kind of brutal because failures, in, by means of definition, whatever you feel failure is, but somebody else could feel failure is something completely different. What's strange is, is when you make a plan to accomplish something and you accomplish it, and then there it is, you have what you have done. I have an old saying I made up a long time ago. You are what you do. You're a fireman. You're a fireman. You're a father. You're a father. You're a mother. You're a mother. You're a sister. You're a brother. You do those things. You are what you do. If I didn't be a father, if I didn't decide to be a father, I wouldn't be a father. If I didn't decide to be a real estate investor, I wouldn't be a real estate investor. I plan to be a real estate investor by doing so. I plan to be a father by taking the actions that would lead to being a father. You could plan not to be a father. I could have taken very, very good steps to make sure that that never happened. But I didn't. I took whatever steps I took, and I don't remember what they were, but they were obviously half-hearted if I was trying not to be a father because I have a child, right? So as I read this here, let's go back and read this with a different point of view. Let's read this with the question of what did this gentleman plan for himself in his life? He says he listens to the radio show every day, okay? He's an Army veteran, and he serves as a pastor in a small church. So he's an Army veteran, and I'm assuming he's probably making some money from being a veteran. There's probably some kind of, you know, pay that he gets afterwards after being out, but maybe not. I don't know. He doesn't bring that up. I mean, he's a pastor of a small inner church. <sighs> he's got seven daughters. Do you not think that you'd figure out that you were going to have kids after one, two, three? Four, five, six, seven. Now think about that for a second. This man planned to have a big family. Otherwise, he would have stopped. His wife would have stopped. They would have done something to stop at a certain point. When I got married to my, my current wife, she had three kids. I had one child. And I asked her, do you want to have any more kids so we have our kids? You have your kids, my kids, and our kids. <laughs> she goes, no. And that was it. That was a plan. The plan was no. That was the plan. And so we were able to focus on the four we had already. But this gentleman wanted seven. Now, he might tell you where they're all accidents, right? Or he might say that God blessed him with these kids and he didn't have the right to say yes or no. It was just God, you know, saying what he wanted from him. He's got six grandkids. The reason he's got six grandkids, he's got seven kids that know that proliferation is important in their family. That's a family value. 
Credit score is not a value. He's got 540 credit score, so he doesn't value his credit. And he doesn't take any money from the church. Now, what does that read to you? He doesn't take any money from the church. We'll see. I used to be a veteran. I used to be in the military, but I'm not. And I'm a pastor, but I don't get paid. So in other words, what we have here is an unemployed individual. He's got a plan. He's got a financial plan. I'm going to give weddings. That's how I make my money, by giving weddings. That's a financial plan, whether you realize it or not. He decided that, hey, I want to be a pastor so bad at a church that makes so little. Now, I could get mean about this, and it's not an intentional meanness, but it might come out sounding mean, but how good of a pastor do you think he is if nobody gives him any money at his church? That seems to be a little strange to me. If you're really working hard as a pastor, that people wouldn't donate. But he decided to be something that pays nothing. Is that not a financial plan? Right? Goes on and said, uh, goes on and says, I'm really not getting enough to save anything to do some investing. Is that not a choice? He's not working. And he wonders why he has no savings. Now, from the files of Del Wamsley. Real estate investing is tax preferenced. It's not only complicated because it's the government and there's all kinds of rules and regulations to go with it, but it's also complicated because there's so many different ways that real estate income is tax preferenced. The one that blew my mind right out of the blocks when I first started doing real estate was the fact that there's some kind of a law out there. I don't know what the number is. In fact, I've got all the laws right in front of me. I'm not going to dig down and pull it out and give it to you because you wouldn't remember it anyway. One of the laws that got me was the fact that by nature, real estate investing income is considered passive income. And so it's just like stock market income. It's passive. It's just like bond income. That's passive. And so on and so forth. In other words, you are not materially spending your time doing it. You're not materially active in the business. You just do it. You buy a rent house, you put a tenant in there, and voila, you may never deal with it again for a year, etc., etc. So it's all considered passive income. Now, what is the importance to it being considered passive? Well, do you realize that if you own a business, you pay 15.3% of Social Security and Medicare taxes on every dollar you earn? Do you realize that us real estate investors do not pay that tax on any of our real estate income? So if I make a million dollars a year, I don't pay any Social Security or any Medicare tax at all. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time. Del Wamsley. I'm going through an email that really interrupted what I was going to talk about today, which was life planning and financial planning. Because it, this email made me realize that everybody has a financial plan. It's just some of them aren't that good uh, or they're not that effective as far as finances go. But they do whatever they want. So here's a gentleman now that has got no job because he wants to be a pastor. He's a pastor in a church that pays him no money. And that's his job. He also does weddings. And he makes a little bit of money on that. And that's how they're kind of surviving. He's got seven kids, six grandkids. So he's got a full life, right? But I'm going to share with you a story right now. Again, that may sound brutal. It's not intended in any way, shape, or form to be brutal. It's intended to teach. And I would assume that this gentleman believes he's got the calling to get up there and be a pastor. Because God, and if you're a pastor, you got to believe that God's the one that willed this in you. Uh, gave you desire to get up there and preach and teach or whatever it is you, a pastor does. And he decided that money was irrelevant. I'll take on this job that pays no money. 
to follow my calling. Now, let's compare that to my situation. I had a calling. I wanted to teach. Everybody in my family is a teacher. But I felt that I needed to be financially free before I became a teacher. So I put my efforts into figuring out how to become financially free. And once I was financially free, then I started preaching and teaching. And for 32 years, I've been preaching and teaching financial freedom. Now, I've become very successful at it. People pay me to hear what I have to say. This gentleman, no one's willing to pay him to hear what he has to say. This story in and of itself reminds me of a story about an old preacher and a young preacher. And this old preacher who was incredible, who packed the house every night, had a powerful church with lots of donations, figured out he was getting too old to preach. And so he brought in a young preacher that he had thought had promise. He'd gone to the seminary. He was first in his class. He knew the Bible backward and forwards. And he said, I'm going to let you start teaching underneath me so you can build up your clientele and build up your, you know, your talk or whatever it is that preachers do. And so the young boy goes, yeah, look, no problem. So he goes out there and he gives his just most impassioned uh, speech or whatever you call it that you do in front of a congregation of people. And he got no response. And the old preacher then comes out after him and says, okay, now he said a few words and he got a standing ovation. And when they came back behind stage, the young preacher looked at the old preacher and said, I don't understand it. I know the Bible backwards and forwards. I know everything about the Bible. I've studied it for years. I've given seminary talks and gotten straight A's in my classes. I don't understand why they don't respond. And the old preacher looked at him. He said, simply, son, you know the Bible very well, but I know the man that wrote it. That's what I've told people for 32 years about what I do. I've had tens of students leave me and try to start their own business and do what I do. And when it doesn't work out, and they fail after a year or two or five or ten, whatever it is, takes for them to figure out they don't know what they're doing or they're doing it poorly. I just say, boys, you got to understand, you know my book, but I'm the author. In this case, this gentleman might know the book, but he obviously doesn't know the author. Or the room would be packed with paying disciples. Now, I know that sounds sad, but that's his financial plan, to do something that pays nothing because I want to do it. He goes on and asks about some financial stuff. He says, my truck was paid off. My car was paid off. And what he's done, he's decided to live frugally. He decided that material possessions mean nothing to him. He'll live with old cars and old trucks just so he can not have a job, just so he can spend his whole life being a pastor of a church that no one belongs to. That's a financial plan. Now, leave it not up to me to judge that financial plan, but it's a plan. He's got a house now on a lease, lease purchase agreement deal that he only owes 77000 on the lease purchase, the house worth 127000 So that's um, potentially three, make that 80, 23 and 27, 40. It's potentially $50,000 worth of equity, but he's got a 540 credit score. He's a veteran. He could get a zero down loan. And that's what he's saying he's going to look into. And I hope he does. And I hope he gets it. And I hope the 540 credit score doesn't keep him from getting that loan. That would be a good first step. And that's him expressing some desire to actually do something financially aggressive. Why didn't he do that 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago? Because it wasn't a part of his plan. I hope what you're seeing from what I'm talking about today is we all have a plan. This gentleman's plan worked out perfect for him. Let's talk about that. He said, with all that said, I have two concerns. First, I want to leave something for my six grandkids when God calls me home. Well, you already have. You've left your word. 
You have given seven kids life, and those kids have given those grandkids life. You've given them Christmases and Thanksgivings and moral ownership of their position in life. You've given all that. You've done. You've grown that part of your life so well. You've now given that to your kids, and your kids are going to give it to your grandkids, and you're going to give it to your grandkids. Don't worry about leaving your grandkids money. You didn't even worry about having money for yourself. Your poor wife never got any money. Why worry about your grandkids having money? That's not a part of their teachings. And you, you want money so you can not, because I want money, because I want to be able to do ministry more. I want to create good income, not to retire, but so I can focus solely on ministry. Ministry as opposed to weddings, at least the weddings, hey, the ministry he wants to focus on has no real value to society. How do I know that? Because no one's paying for it. The ministers I know, large First Baptist Church, Second Baptist Church in Houston, Joe Olstein, the ministers I personally know are such good orators that they, you want to sit down and watch them and listen to them, and you get up and you walk away motivated and want to change your life because of them, they get paid a lot of money. Del Wamsley offers some tips on a better lifestyle. Those who don't know what an accredited investor is, there are deals out there, uh, syndications and private placements that you cannot get into unless you're an accredited investor. Accredited investor means that you, uh, see, I haven't looked this up in a long time. I think it's, um, you make over $200,000 a year if you're single, $300,000 a year if you're married, have done that the last two years and will be able to prove you can do it within the next 12 months, or you're worth a million dollars, not counting your personal residence. What is the significance of this? Well, the government entities, SEC and so forth, they signify that if you have that much wealth, then you don't need to be protected by SEC rules. And you can go into the craziest, dumbest deals in the world because you should be smart enough to be able to ascertain whether or not they're a good place to put your money. And how do they come to that conclusion? Because you have money, you make enough money to be smart enough and or you have enough money to show that you've been smart enough about money in the past and it's not gonna kill you to lose some money in an investment. So hence, you can get into deals that are not protected as strongly by the SEC as deals where other than accredited people can get in. The really weird thing about this is, is if you're sophisticated, which means you've got the educational background to prove that you know what you're doing, and you can prove that, and you can claim that you can get into these deals as not an accredited investor, but as a sophisticated investor. As a sophisticated investor, you are not accredited, so you can't do what accredited people do, but you can get into some of these deals by being sophisticated. But guess what? By getting in sophisticated, you're giving up all the protections you had by being accredited. And just like being accredited, you're giving up those protections because you're getting into a deal you don't really qualify to get into. And hence, if you lose all your money, it's your fault. Be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today I've been doing, uh, going through an email that really shocked me, set me back a little bit. Um, when I was planning for the show to be about planning your financial future, uh, this email really shocked me into realizing everybody has a plan for the future. It just doesn't match up to what the when they when they do the plan, the results don't match up to what they think the plan will end up giving them. 
somehow, some way, shape, form, and then they have, you know, desire to change. So this gentleman sitting here has had no, no belief that money was important his whole life, and yet and now he's caring about leaving money to his grandkids. You didn't ever have any money, so why do you think your grandkids need money? You don't believe that there's any value to money, so why think your ki grandkids have any value for money? Your kids didn't get any money from you, so why would you worry about your grandkids getting money from you? If your kids think money's important, maybe they'll end up giving their kids money. But that's not what your value is. You're leaving your grandkids and you're leaving your kids love, family values, the desire to have lots of kids, uh, to believe that big family is important, the belief that giving back is important, the belief that you know following God is important. Right? And all those things, that's your give back. That's what you're leaving behind. And if you want to do something financially, I agree with you. Go get that VA loan and get that house. Pick up that equity. That's a good first move. Not going to retire you. Second thing I'd do is I'd give up being the pastor. So what? So, hey, I would cut down the pastor time. Whatever. I don't know what it takes to, to set up for one speech. I do seven, five to seven speeches a week. Um, I don't have to make it a whole week. I can write a speech or I can write a one hour radio show. I can write in five, 10 minutes. Just have to have an idea about what I want to talk about. Then as you put it, God puts it into me and I put it out to you. So he doesn't need his whole day and life and being to be tied up being a pastor. Go get a job. Make a little bit of money that quote unquote, I don't really have enough to save. Quote unquote, I don't have any savings. Quote unquote, my cars are old and falling apart, quote unquote. Hey, go make a little bit of money. Start changing that. Put some balance back into your life. I'm not saying you don't get up and do your talk on Sunday. I'm not saying you don't maybe have a, a catechism class or whatever it is you do. It doesn't take seven days a week, 12 hours a day to do it. So start making some small changes. That's very important. Now let's talk about small changes. I got another email here that kind of flows into that same concept about people don't want small changes. They want something for nothing. They want instantaneous gratification. They want changes now. And they've already got a plan on how they're going to live their life. They've been living it. They are living it. They have the plan. But now they want to turn that giant ship on a dime and go a different direction. Uh, this gentleman, I'm not going to use his name either because yeah, I've not asked him to use his name. And it again is... Uh, an email that wasn't intended to be shared, I don't believe. He said, I, I became a financial freedom member about one and a half years ago and have not dipped my toe into the pond yet. Okay, let's start with that right there. First sentence, I joined your program a year and a half ago and I have done nothing. Now, what more can you tell me? What more is there to say? You joined up, you did nothing. What do you think you should have gotten by now? Nothing goes on. I desperately want to retire yesterday. But wait a minute. You want to retire yesterday, but you've been a member for a year and a half and you've done nothing. Now, those of you out there that are listening to me can hear the insanity to these two sentences strung together in the same paragraph. Understand that this person has a problem. His plan makes no sense at all because he's saying he wants these things that he's done nothing towards developing other than joining Lifestyles Unlimited, which in his mind was okay. Maybe if I just join this group and it will magically happen, somebody will do it for me. The world will change. Now, the right idea is by joining the group, at least you're around people doing it. So maybe some of that rubs off. That's a good thing. But he didn't let that happen. Goes on, says, I'm having trouble getting started because I have been working on preparing myself financially. Mentally, I've been ready for quite some time. I want to first become a passive multifamily investor. 
and possibly in the future go for lead and give back. My problem is getting started on single family investing. Natural progression of a real estate investor is if you don't have very much money, you start out as a single family investor, you grow your portfolio, you grow your wealth. Then you become an IRO and or a lead and you go out there and you do apartment complexes and you make larger amounts of money. If you come to Lifestyles and you already have money, or if you come to Lifestyles and you're already past being a single family person and you got a good job or you're retired and you want to invest some money, the last thing you do is become a passive investor. Passive investing is designed for people to have money to invest, but no time or desire to share or use their time to invest. But what does this guy want? He wants to go right to the end. Begin with the end in mind. He's got the end in mind, but he can't get off the end. He wants the end first. This is bizarre. I've always heard about people, you know, type A, type B personalities, where type B personalities put off gratification into the future so that they can have greater gratification. Type A's take their gratification instantly and then end up with no future gratification. Have you ever noticed how some people eat the meat first out of their dinner? I always eat the meat first. And then you go from the meat, which is the good, healthy stuff, the important proteins, to the vegetables. And at the very end, you might have something sweet. The other people eat all the sweets and high-carb stuff first, leave the meat behind. And then you end up wherever that kind of a diet plan takes you. We all know where it takes you. Obesity, diabetes, et cetera, et cetera. And, but it's a plan. It's a plan developed by your personality. So this guy's got a single-family budget type amount of money. He says, currently I have about 30000 saved and believe I may have 50000 plus or minus of untapped equity in my home. So if he's got 50, 30, he's got 80, that's easily enough to go out there and buy two or three houses, maybe four even, 80000 bucks. Yeah, at least four. He goes on and says, I sold our home and bought another last August. We live in Virginia, about an hour south of DC, in a very high price market. Due to timing of the purchase of our home, the price we paid, I'm confident we have this equity. I can consider a challenge membership, but again, I want to build my wealth as quickly as possible, as I'm 40 years old. <laughs> and I work very hard in the HVAC systems trade. He's 40 years old, folks. Most people work to 65, 70, 80. He's 40. He's already tired. Now, honestly, I was tired at 30. I was tired of working at 30. I wanted to do something else. But I wasn't tired. He's already tired at 40. Now, granted, I know people work in air conditioners, hot trade, especially in hot parts of the country like Houston. But I'm not really trying to make that point. What I'm trying to make the point is he wants, quote, I want to build my wealth as quickly as possible because I'm 40, like it's over. So what does that mean to you 50, 60-year-olds? Is it over? You know it's not over, right? But this guy's plan is to get it done now. I, I, want, I want it now. In fact, I wanted to retire yesterday, even though a year and a half ago, and since, I've done nothing. I know multifamily is the vehicle for this. If, I were, if you were in my shoes, would you consider a HELOC or maybe another vehicle to tap the equity and put the money to work for me? I would appreciate any insight you have. So I'm going to give you straight up information. If I had only $80,000 to do to work with, I'd go buy four to eight houses, depending on how you buy them, how much of a discount you can get on them, how much hard money you can use. You can buy a house from anywhere for ten dollars to $20,000 each down. I would go get those houses to get started. Number one, to learn the business. Number two, to build my credit, build my wealth, build up my equity. 
And houses are going up in value rapidly right now. Just like he said, I know I have equity because we bought this house and it's gone up in value. Go buy eight more houses. Now you've got nine houses worth of personal equity building and growing. That's what I would do. Multifamily works because of a couple reasons. But one of them is you have a large amount of money you need to deploy very quickly. If you don't have a large amount of money to deploy very quickly, then you're really going to need to be a passive. But the passive is the lowest rate of return there is. Way lower than single-family houses and way lower than being a lead investor. So the guy's starting at the wrong place. Now, from the files of Del Wamsley. First segment of my life got me away from controlling manipulative people telling me that I have to be as messed up as they are in life. That was my parents. And so I learned you do not have to be controlled and manipulated. And number two, you don't have to be as messed up as the people around you. You don't have to believe the lies that they live uh, in their life every day. You can live a different way, even though they tell you it's the only way to live. I found out you don't have to be fat. You don't have to be physically out of shape and you don't have to let people push you around and berate you and make you feel terrible about yourself. You can fix all of those things. So I learned to take physical control of my life, self-control of my mental ability to say, in which I use it even to this day, willpower, to say I'm going to stop eating and I'm going to stop drinking and I'm going to start exercising and realize that you don't need all that stuff. You think you need it. It's really an addiction. Food is an addiction. Alcohol is an addiction. Spousal acceptance is an addiction. Uh, many people just do whatever their spouse tells them to do, and you find you waste hours and hours and hours a day not getting anything done that you need to get done because you're doing the minutia of life that people want you to put into your life. And I found I didn't have to do that. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today we've been going through emails and discussing how people put together financial plans and whether or not those financial plans actually work out the way they want them to work out and why. And the point I'm making is that most of the plans that you have are your personality and your personality makes your plans and your, your plans are just the way you live your life. My address, if you want to contact me, is askdell at l-u-i-n-c dot com, which stands for Lifestyles Unlimited, Inc. So it's askdell at l-u-i-n-c inc.com ask dell at luinc.com we can get your you know questions answered for you it's me answering your questions no one else uh, i take my own emails and so forth so if you got something send it to me and we'll see if we can get it. if it's good uh, we'll think about putting it on the radio as a question there was a guy who's written a book uh, he was talking about the fact that when he first started trying to make a financial plan he was really a very religious guy and all of his people that he preached to he was a pastor and all the people he preached to he said if i have a plan then how can i live under god's plan if i have a man's plan a physical man's plan how can i live under god's plan i think i need to just live life and let it happen i actually uh, had a girlfriend for a while long, long time ago when I was my 20s, I think. And she had a sister who was really, really religious, and she called it the Book of Life. And she said, everything that's going to happen to you has already been written in the Book of Life. And so there's no sense to even try to change your life. God has planned for you what he has planned for you. And I used to think that was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard in my entire life. I said, you know, what God did was to give you the tools and give you the will 
and then you do what you want with it. I'm going to tell you a story, a religious story very quickly, and then see if we can squeeze this guy's financial deal in here. Uh, in New York City, there was a corner filled with drug dealers and prostitutes and broken glass, broken beer bottles, broken wine bottles, needles, syringes, the whole bit. So a group of kids in a local um, church get together and uh, decide to get the, the whole group of people in the neighborhood to pick up all the glass and the needles and everything and clean up this corner a lot that was empty. And they dug it all up and made gardens and put in some picnic tables and stuff. And they took all the glass and broke it up into different colors. And then they made art work out of it and put the artwork in the, you know, in the ground, just like, you know, colored gravel type of thing. And they made some beautiful mosaic type stuff there. Well, when the press found out about this and they decided to have a big press meeting about it, when that was heard, then the, the local pastor calls up the cardinal and the cardinal comes down from whatever the diocese for that area, whatever. And uh, the mayor comes in and they have this big press conference. And they were bragging about how when city and church can get together and bring people together and get stuff done, how impressive it is. And one of the kids that was part of the group that did the thing said, excuse me, knock, knock, knock. Can I talk for just a second? May I speak to the group? Because I was the person that put all this together. And uh, the guy says, sure. What, what would you like to say? He said, look, I want you all to understand this. God may have made the syringes. God may have made the glass. God may have made the bottles. And God surely made all the drunks and addicts that left it all here. But we made this. There it is, folks. God gave you the glass and the syringes and the drunks and the alcoholics. But what we make of all that in our life is what's important. Never forget that. Here's one right now. Last one I can squeeze this says, I've been listening to your radio show a while, and I'm temporarily duty in Hawaii. It's a great show and has me interested in your program. My question is regarding assets necessary to start investing in real estate. My wife and I are both federal employees with, in six-year retirement. We're approximately $850,000 combined in our federal 401k program and two hundred fifty in home equity and fifteen k in savings. Credit scores need some work, about 700 each. Those are great credit scores. We live in western Washington where we home prices are very high. They're high everywhere. Don't worry about that. How could someone like uh, in our financial situation break into estate, real estate investments? We're signed up for one of your classes in the future. The time zones in Hawaii aren't working for us. But by the way, we have classes in Hawaii. So that's, again, I set them up with somebody to get them lined up with classes because we have classes all over the country, including Hawaii, which I'm going to in June, by the way. I will be out there. So here's what you have to realize. This guy's got a million bucks. He's got 850000 plus 250 in the equity in the home. And our monies, and if you've listened to my radio shows uh, over the last couple of months, you see that our money's doubling about once every three years now. So it's usually 7% return on average uh, for three years. At the end of three years, we refinance, pull out the money, or we sell and pull out the money, and we double our money, right, in total return. Term. So, take one million for three years, and they'll have two million. Take that two million, reinvest it for three more years, and they'll have four million. It doubles every three years. They retire at the end of six years. That four million dollars at seven percent return will give them seven hundred eighty thousand dollars a year of tax-free income, which is equal to three hundred and sixty-four thousand dollars a year of earned income. Yes, my friends, that's what they be taking home, an equivalent of three hundred and sixty-four thousand dollars. I doubt they make that between their two jobs, although they might. There might be high-paying jobs, but that's definitely enough to be able to survive. It's a plan. It's just that simple. You write it down on paper, you invest, you make it happen. Boom. Six years from now, when they're ready to retire, and I'm assuming the reason they're, tr they're putting off six years to retire, because most of our people retire in two to five years. But let's say they're going to wait that extra year because maybe they're getting a pension at the end of that or something. Fine. Whatever. you got a six-year window. That's how to become 
a multi-multi-millionaire in six years. That's how to end up with whatever your pensions are and invest and make $364,000 a year of pre-tax dollars. This is a plan. It's what I was going to talk about today about how to set up a plan. Whether you're poor and it takes more number of steps to get where you want to be, whether you're you know, a medium-earned income person, and it takes medium number of steps, or whether you're already well-to-do like these people. These people could retire in two to four years right now. They got enough money to do it. It's just a matter of how much they want to make at the end of that time. Because right out of the blocks, within three years, with $2 million, they'd be making about $180,000 a year of income. And they could retire if they were willing to live on $180,000 a year. So my friends, I hope I can get back to a day where I can come in here and talk about planning financially, but these emails, sometimes life just gets in the way. You have art planned, and you get just chaos. Today was chaos, I understand that, but I hope it's chaos that you understood. I was trying to make a point to you. You've already got a plan, whether you realize it or not. Now it's up to you to change your plan. I'm here every day. I've been here for 32 years helping people put together a plan that works. It's up to you to decide that not a year and a half from now, but right now is the time to change your plan. And keep in mind always, it's not just because you want more money. It's because you want an incredible lifestyle. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.